0: Welcome back to The Mentors. This is Vadim and Sergey, and this is a podcast where we tell stories about ordinary people that became extraordinary entrepreneurs despite lack of experience, money, or connections. And now, The Mentors at the Consumer Discovery Show.
1: We're here with Michael Levine of Global Food Solutions with his brand, Right Start. Uh, Michael has a really cool story for why he started this company 10 years ago. So Michael, tell me, you you mentioned to me when I just met you at the trade show floor that you were a chef beforehand, but what led you to start your own company? And by the way, guys, this is a really interesting product that you're not going to find in a lot of retail locations because they don't sell in retail yet, but they make essentially the product I'm looking at right here in front of me is a pancake shaped muffin. And apparently it's much healthier for you. Um, and that's one of the motivations for why Michael started this company. So Michael, tell us a little bit about what led you to starting this business?
2: Yeah, so thanks so much for having me today. For us, we really wanted to create products and get them to as many kids' hands as possible. And uh, when I was in culinary school, I grew up in kitchens my whole life, um, have done everything from washing dishes all the way to becoming a line cook, sous chef, executive chef, and then ultimately leaving the kitchen, uh, studying at Johnson & Wales. And I recognized that uh, there was a stat that was shared with me when I was much younger, and it was one in every five kids in schools in America go hungry. Uh, and that's on a daily basis. And, and when that was shared with me, I kind of it really resonated. And I sat back and said, you know, wow, one in every five kids in, in my town even could be going hungry. And you know, I thought I lived in this great neighborhood here in New York. And it was just uh, something that I don't think a lot of people here talked about. And when we started to notice that, and it really began building and resonating in me, um, we wanted to drive change, and we were able to recognize that through this and through some of the changes that were taking place with the Obama regulations and what Mrs. Obama was doing to make school food better, uh, we recognized that it was gonna kind of reset the playing field and give us an opportunity. And we were able to use that opportunity to you know, really create these healthy and better products and deliver at volume to some of the largest programs in the country and you know really fulfill that goal that we set out to. And that was simply to just make better products, make them more local, make them more wholesome, but most importantly, make them affordable so that they can get in these kids' hands and allow them to have access to them on a daily basis to try to drive that number from one in five hungry to you know anywhere down would be a benefit.
1: Now, um, you mentioned to me that you have some proprietary process through which you make these products. You have something that's an oven, but not, not really an oven. We can't even get into what that really even is, what the process is. But I imagine you created this first product, and you were faced with the decision of how to actually get it into the hands of school children. Um, so how did you get that first customer, and who were they?
2: yeah, so for us it was uh, it was definitely a very interesting process when we were starting out um, you know we We started out more as an idea you know as I was sharing that we wanted to break down that one in every five kids was hungry so when it was an idea, we were kind of playing around with product and, and trying to figure out what would be best and what would the kids take and actually eat as opposed to we're just handing these kids food and they may eat it, it may go in the garbage, does that really accomplish anything? And we were playing around in the kitchen, developing some, a variety of different unique things and when the regulations were changing, it started to open opportunities among school districts that they had to look for new products, uh, meaning if their muffins in the past were made with white flour or high fructose corn syrup or artificial colors and flavors, um, they now had to look for at least something that was a little bit better. Um, we started to identify some opportunities in terms of what programs, what large scale programs were, were looking for these things. And we sat back and said, You know, okay, we can do an approach that we may go to a school district and we may go to somebody in a different state and may do well. But, um, you know, being from New York, born and raised here, um, we wanted to work with New York City public schools and the single largest school district in America. uh, 1.2, 1.3 million kids, depending on who you ask, um, and more than twice the size of L.A., So we really kind of set our sights very high from the very beginning and before we shipped any product, we looked right at New York City Public Schools, we built up our supply chain, we created this product, we produced it here in New York, Uh, we made it better, and then we were able to deliver it at a lower price point than any single other company could. And I think it was due to a combination of factors by bringing it local, bringing the community into it, creating this great product and getting a lot of people to really want to be involved in the program. And from that, uh, you know, getting in New York City public schools, the largest school district in America, it, it really served as a catalyst for us. And within like 30 days of some of our products launching, they became some top items in the program, which was great for us.
0: Now, um, you know, in the show, we like to break down the specifics and really let people know kind of what you did boots on the ground to actually get into New York City public schools. Obviously. New York City Public Schools because they have 1.3 million students um, for vendors and companies that are trying to come in and actually provide value for them. I'm sure it's still pretty competitive. So what did you guys do? Was it you know essentially going to different school events and um, showing off the products and samples or was it more so getting in line with a program and getting distribution kind of broader right away?
2: Uh, no, so it was a little bit more uh, chaotic um, there was definitely for us a transition of okay now we have this product how are we actually going to pull this off and how are we going to get it into the 1800 locations that the New York City schools have Um, so we really kind of sat back and, and really developed a great plan and we said okay uh we know that schools work on bids we want to look at what they're currently buying we had to dive in try to get some of that pricing some of those different equations to make sure that you know our product and price and program was really where it needed to be uh from there i think something a lot of youthful founders need to to recognize is when you're a younger entrepreneur and you have these grand ambitions and you want to create this big change i think that there's an opportunity there and we leverage that opportunity into a meeting And by using that youth on your side, by using that energy and that that creative spirit that you might have, we were able to leverage that right into this meeting. And that meeting, we were allowed to show our product directly to the directors of the program at the time. And I think when you get in front of people, I think the equation changes. I think business nowadays is done too much behind a computer, behind a phone, behind social media, whereas we strive for our company, my team over a hundred times a year I mean we are out there we are on the road we fly cross-country every other week Um, and I think that's a really important lesson for a lot of founders because we wanted them to know who we are we didn't want to just be the guy who bid on a product and we want a contract and so on and so forth we wanted them to know who we are who we are and stand for and what we believe in deep down and why we care because I think a lot of companies just try to sell their product and they might have a great story and mission behind it and why they created it or so on and so forth, but I don't think it always carries all the way through. And in that meeting, I think we were able to really express how much we really cared about the fact that one in every five kids was hungry. And. Just by bringing it up, I think, in that meeting, it's something that people don't talk about. I mean, even in this country, you figure every one in five kids in America is hungry in schools, right? It should be on the news at least once a week, at least you know once a month, and it's never talked about. So I think by pinpointing some of those kind of key numbers, key metrics, target points, and really leveraging that youthful side um we were able to get that meeting and, and from there it kind of just snowballed because i think they loved what we were presenting loved our energy and, and what we were after creating and we just kind of used it as fuel for the rocket
1: and now you guys are distributing in schools all over the country, healthcare institutions, the military, even. Um, so that's that's amazing work. Congratulations on growing the company to this point. Um, but but my, my my one last question is, uh, you know, in the beginning, a lot of companies starting, um, especially if they're going to go after big customers like the enterprise level, you can call customer and government institution customer that you did. Um, how were you able to, uh, let's say, have the capital to build the capacity to even fulfill the orders that they would need? Did you start small or did you have to have that capacity immediately?
2: Yeah, so it was, uh, it was definitely a very interesting transition. And it's something that even 10 years later, I still think we battle on a, on a monthly basis. Um, we're an entirely self-funded company. Um, We believe in that approach simply because we want to control our own destiny and we know that uh, in our market and margins people want us to always make money and I agree we're for profit company companies need to make money to fuel their next great idea but I think when you're starting a company I think there's a very delicate balance between profit margin and volume. And for us, we wanted to focus on the volume initiative first. We wanted to deliver for people that were supplying to us. We wanted to deliver for our customer. And at the end of the day, we knew that we were gonna make money long-term if the ideas continued to work. So the startup was, it was a little rocky. Um, We really had to work with our distributing partners to be able to be self-funded in that sense. I mean, we offered all sorts of crazy deals that people look at me and they're like, you did what? and everything from you know begging people to cut me a check on delivery and offering you know four percent discount if you pay immediately because i needed that money to pay my order later in the day sometimes even um so we really really uh, became financially conscious and focused because we wanted to be self-funded We wanted to control what we were spending and how we we're doing it We really made sure that we became financial experts in when money was coming in when it was going out and Knowing all aspects and costs of our business and that I think has allowed us to really continue to be self-funded through You know the start of our one brand seven brands later and over 500 products and we're still you know doing the same gyrations and I think it's really important that founders don't get lost in that. I think sometimes the money may seem great now, but the money's not always necessary. You know, and I think a lot of people forget that. I think they think they need all this capital and they need to be valued at this or they need to raise a million dollars to feel successful. But at the end of the day, if you have a great product and you work really close with your suppliers and distributing partners, especially as younger founders and people starting creative ideas, other people want to see creative ideas equally succeed they feel like they became a part of what you're building by being able to help you a little bit and if that means that they cut you a check instead of 30 days and 21 days as a younger company they may do those things sometimes you just have to ask and and take risk in that sense but it's not risk in the sense that you're gonna lose all this money it's just trying to get people to also buy into your approach and I think that's something that for us has been tremendously helpful. Our vendors are phenomenal, our suppliers are phenomenal, and I think that relationship had a lot to do with um, our ability to stay self-funded and grow in the way that we did.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you intrinsically sort of had this understanding as an entrepreneur that you, know, you can ask people for help, and as a young company that stands behind their mission and is doing something interesting and has a message and is trying to solve a big problem, which is one in five children can go hungry. Um, you know that that message will resonate with people and people are likely to help so that's a great thing to keep in mind as a founder you don't always need money you as a matter of fact your sort of legitimacy as an entrepreneur is often proven by your resourcefulness and so you did that from the very beginning it sounds like by getting maybe using the fact that you're a youthful company and started by young founders to get these big meetings focusing on the face-to-face relationships and investing in flying people out to actually meet people in person which probably made you stand out from the competition uh because they were maybe doing more business sort of over the phone or on the computer and then actually communicating your message to these people when you met face to face and getting them to really understand the passion behind what you're doing so everything uh these steps that you've taken it sounds like is the reason why you've been able
1: to launch so many products uh and stay in business for so long that's credible All right. Thank you, Michael, for joining us. Appreciate your time. So Vadim and I had a chance to chat a little bit with Michael Levine, who you just heard from um, before he had to step off to, believe it or not, he's at the trade show. So he's got to be at his booth, still hustling 10 years later after starting the business. And I got a little more intel on how he uh, was able to actually uh, serve service that first huge contract. New York Public Schools has. I think he said 1200 locations and I asked him well did did they let you start small right away and he said no they kind of threw us to the wolves immediately so they had to be able to fulfill for the entire school right away Um, and really he hustled back then as well it took about six months to set everything up but he was able to get um, all of their suppliers essentially to pay them a little bit later he was able to convince New York public schools to pay I think it was something a matter of five day difference but pay him five Days earlier, and was able to use that and a little bit of his savings to cover the first cost of the production.
0: What I love about his story is that you know, the whole time that he is building his business, he's doing it his way. So, even right now at the trade show, he's telling me that he's interested in connecting with buyers uh, but there's investors that are coming up to him talking about capital and he's just not interested in that and that was part of his story as well is he's not that interested in starting a business where you have to raise a bunch of money and then answer to investors because typically then they will set the terms they will try to at times control operations now this isn't the case with every investor but especially big ones that take a big position in the company and provide you with a lot of capital might do that and so that was just one example of how uh, this particular founder focuses on controlling the process which is providing food for children they service more now than
1: a million kids a day eat their products uh and they actually had target and walmart approach them uh because they want to carry their product but he is so uh focused on serving students that he doesn't want that to distract his business he knows that distributing in target is going to make it a completely different business so he's actually not agreeing to it just yet until he feels like he's ready, so he really is running the business on his own terms. And this is uh, this goes back to even how he started the business initially is that he was a, he was a chef, he was a line cook, he w- was dreamt to be uh, you know one of the recognizable celebrity chefs, but he had a major injury um, that prevented him essentially from even being able to do that. And he had this insight uh, when he saw that the regulations were changing that he could create a healthier product for. Uh, for students and the timing was right of course because schools all over the country were looking to bring in new types of products not just work with for example Kellogg which they worked with for 20 years
0: and so you know a lot of founders especially young folks uh, think that business has to be done a certain way you know do an MVP, create a product, sell sell the first few versions of it, and then raise a bunch of money so that you can actually continue working on it. But no, business and entrepreneurship is what you make of it. And this is a perfect example of a founder that runs a business his own way, focuses on making margins, um, not huge margins necessarily, but just enough to grow the business and continue to reinvest in it he feels like he needs to be out there meeting people all the time which is why he uh, sees they do more than 50 trade shows a year Uh, and they've been doing it for 10 years and they're still growing and they have a bunch of brands now so there's no one specific formula sometimes you have to go with your gut and do what you feel is right for you and build the type of business that you want to operate and run